book of Ephesians, chapter 2 and verse 19. And then from there, we're going to take a journey over to Hebrews chapter 11. And let's start at verse uh, 14 and 15 and 16. And I want to just talk a little bit. I, I, I know my audience tonight. Um, it, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's a saved audience. I, you, those of you that are here on Wednesday nights, you're dedicated. You've already bought into to it. But I just want to kind of maybe a, a little bit of a reminder or maybe just an encouragement today for you. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19 says this. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And then kind of continuing that, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 14. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had the opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Where, wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. So there's a few verses that go on with this. So let me just read a few more in your, you know, here in your seating. And let's kind of just, just start right here. Philippians, Paul said this, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I won't not. For I'm in a strait betwixt the two, having a desire to be apart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Let me tell you that in English, okay? Paul said that the moment that I die and I depart this, this earth, it's okay. Don't cry for me. I'm going to be with him. And I'm kind of torn because I do like living. I'm going to tell you, I have no desire to walk out of here and die of a heart attack or get hit by a truck. I kind of like the life that I have. I, I like my family. I like my church. I like to go fishing and hunting. That's, that's a good thing. But if God should call me home, to be honest, that's what I'm waiting for. Again, in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 14 that we just read, it's saying that there are some that are seeking a country. And, and, and in, for a moment, maybe you're thinking that they're just, you know, switching borders and allegiances, but it says it's a heavenly country. And that they have no desire to go back to the world that they were called out of. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14 kind of takes that thought a little bit further by saying this, for here... In this world, we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. We seek one to come. Um, I have a, a, a friend of mine, and he's actually, it's been many years, but he's preached in this pulpit for the Jonathan Gray. He was uh, uh, great friends of ours and part of ministry staff when we were in Toledo, Ohio. And uh, Jonathan is from Canada. And and I would, would, you know, poke fun of him about that, you know, being from Canada, but uh, he had shown me. In fact, since then, he's, he has uh, become an American citizen, and it was a pretty cool ceremony. I see pictures of it, of him getting sworn in as a, as a United States citizen. But, but when I knew him before that, he carried a little card that labeled him as a resident alien. I kind of like that phrase of terms. You know, kind of feel like he's going to pull out a ray gun and disintegrate me or something. But the truth is, it was what that card said was that he was here in the United States, he lived in the United States, he even had a job in the United States, but the, he was not a citizen, if you will, it wasn't his home, 
at the point in which he carried that card. Again, it's changed. He has gone through the immigration. He's, he's a United States citizen. But until then, he couldn't vote. He, he couldn't participate in that. He had no voice in the direction of our country. And to be honest, that's much like you and I here. I live here. I, I enjoy some of the benefits of this world. But as the old song says, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I've got treasures laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And it's it, it, uh, probably one of the most popular Christian books. And maybe, uh, maybe some of you younger people haven't read it. But how many of you have read the book Pilgrim's Progress? Or you've heard it. Odyssey did a phenomenal thing about it. Maybe that would help some of you out. You can go listen to it in Odyssey. But uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Because the Christian walk has been labeled, and I use it often, a journey. This allegorical book described the journey of a man that was called Christian as he made his way through life and towards the city of God and there were times that he got off track, there were times that he got bogged down, there were times that he, he took the wrong turn and it's a pretty good analogy today for you and I that from the moment you're born there is a journey that you start. Again, I know I'm dating myself, I don't know if they still are putting these books out, but I loved to read as a kid. I read voraciously, and one of my favorite types of books were these books called Choose Your Own Adventure. And what was happening there, okay, let's, let's see how old, how many of you have ever read one of those Choose Your Own Adventure books? How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? Okay, good, let me explain it. So you would, you would read, it, it was kind of a hard book to read, but you would read the book and Brother Harpo, it would say you're 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 you know you're you're standing at a uh, a river, and at the bottom of the page it would say if you want to cross the river, turn to page 101. If you want to go, you know, alongside the river, turn to page 205, and you would do that. And you got to choose your own adventure. And some of the books, your adventure could end not nice. You died. It was kind of like playing the Oregon Trail. You died of, you know, horrible diseases there, and. Uh, you know, you, you could choose your own adventure. Well, life is the same right now. The Bible says this, it's appointed unto man once to die and then eternity. And so what that tells me is from the moment that, that you as a baby or as a baby takes that breath in this life, they're starting a journey. The decisions that they make in this life will determine their end. Now I'm... Let me, let me set this up this way. I'm having a little bit of trouble lately because I, I see Zane over here. He's 15 years old. He's taller than I am. He'll be driving soon. And How do you feel, brother and sister Lowe, with your, your oldest now holding a permit in her pocket or her purse or whatever? You know, it's just I honestly hadn't really thought about these days to come. Zane's about to enter his sophomore year of high school, but I still remember Zane three, four years old, scrawny little kid playing for hours with these little cars Lightning McQueen and Mater and Doc Hudson and all of those he watched that cars video eight billion times I can still hear it now life is a highway I want to ride it all night long and, and that, that, that is kind of true it is a highway but there is a question that has to be answered when you start looking at your life. And here's the question that, that, that begins to emerge that you must ask. On this journey called life, are you just wandering through it? Or are you headed for a specific 
destination. I've, I've mentioned this quote. Uh, every, every once in a while I come across a quote and something I read that just kind of blows my mind, and it was in a book. Uh, and in it, this quote said this. It was about music and musicians and the music scene, and it said, uh, and I'm quoting, a musician once said in the music scene, it's really cool to search for God. It's not very cool to find him. And, and when you begin to think about that, you can kind of see it. You know, and, and, and I know I, I've used this analogy before in other sermons and other places, but there are so many people that I meet that, that love to say, I'm, I'm, I'm on a journey. I'm seeking God. I'm seeking myself. I, I'm seeking the right thing. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm kind of looking at it. But it's it sort of, they, they kind of go through life like the dog that, that chases cars. What is the dog going to do when he catches one? And there's a lot of people in life that live their, their, their life, their spiritual life there. They're seeking God. They're searching for God. But they have never even thought about what if I find him? What do I do? We're living in this interesting postmodern world. You can Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You can blog. You can text. You can video cast. You can Snapchat and so much more. And we become so narcissistic in our, in our endeavors that everybody, it seems, wants the whole world to know about their life right now. I've never, I don't get it. I mean, there's some things I do. If I catch a big fish, it is going to be everywhere on any of my social media platforms. If I catch a, if, if I uh, uh, kill a big deer this year, it's going to be there. If, if I'm out at a camp and a bunch of people get the Holy Ghost, I'm going to do it. But I have never sat down and, and just said, today I brushed my teeth. I mean, ever once in a, I have been guilty. I've, I love to eat, and, and I guess... A lot of my vacations are designed around food, it seems. But, you know, there have been some pretty incredible meals that I have eaten somewhere that I may never get the chance to eat again. And I might snap a picture of that, that feast. But to be honest, you're not going to see a, a Snapchat of Brandon eating a Big Mac at McDonald's. I just don't think anybody needs to know about that, especially my mom, because she yells at me when I eat stuff like that. But here's the reason, okay? So, so if we're not careful, everybody texts and they blog about our problems and what we're eating and what we're wearing. Here's the reason. You ready? We've been taught by this postmodern age that we should be in touch with our feelings and we should not be ashamed of our failures. And so we post them for all the world to see. In some ways, that's okay. In some ways, I'm glad that we're okay to acknowledge that, hey, all of us slip and fall. And we don't just throw them out and, and, and throw them under the bus. I'm okay with that. But here's the thing. Too many people have got accustomed to the journey of life and they forgot you got to go somewhere. They, they, you know, it used to be that we celebrated the destinations. Now we celebrate the journey. There's two other authors, Kevin DeYoung and Ted Cluck, that shared this. And they are quoting, excuse me, another uh, author by the name of David Wells. And, and Bunyan is the one, I think it's John Bunyan is the one that wrote Pilgrim's Progress. So that's what I mean when I say Bunyan. 
And the author David Wells writes, there really is a difference between Bunyan's notion of a spiritual pilgrimage, Pilgrim's Progress, and the postmodern idea of a spiritual journey. The point of spirituality is the experience of the journey in and not the purpose of reaching the destination. But for Bunyan, the pilgrimage was about this certain knowledge that Christians have a far better country to which they are traveling to and of the way that they must conduct themselves on the journey in preparation for the one in whom they are traveling to. I don't ever want to get caught up in this world that I enjoy the journey so much I forget where I'm going. To many, they focus on the search for God. The destination is not all that important. The experience is good, and I'm thankful for that. Sunday morning, I'm going to preach a little bit about worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. If you're not careful, you can, you can have an a, a experience with God, but have no knowledge of God. And here's the problem if all you ever focus on is your experience. There's a lack of doctrinal reflection and you spend too much time with personal introspection. What this means is you're not really caring about what the Bible says about what you're going through as much as how you feel when you're going through that. I've found as I crack my Bible open more and more that the answers to what I'm going through are found in the Bible. And if we would stop wallowing in the, in the experience and start looking for what the Word of God says, He'll help us get out of that experience. We're seeing it right now. I, I see it almost every service I, I, and everywhere I go. There are so many people that want to leave the cold Uh, And if I could use this, traditional churches that have lost a zeal for God and, and they know that where they are isn't beneficial. But too many of them, they know what they're leaving but they have no idea where they're heading or where they're going. They know what they want to do. They know what they want to leave behind. They know what they don't want. But they had never really thought about what they want. And so they leave churches that are dead, dry, and desiccated. But then they just start a spiritual journey and they never really have a knowledge of the destination. It just becomes a journey to experience. People who become infatuated with wandering in search of spirituality, claiming to be Christian, but instead of finding Christ, they're more concerned with what they've experienced. It's kind of like those that left Egypt. They were glad they left Egypt. For a lot of them, they were absolutely content just to wander. I guess the wilderness is better than Egypt. But that wasn't where God intended them to be. It could be that there's some that the path of their life is a little unclear. Perhaps for others, they say there's a lot of paths we could take. We could go here, we could do that. Again, it's like those those choose your own adventure. Sometimes when I talk to people... And, and, and talk to them about God It just seems like everybody or, or so many say Well you know it's just There's a lot of paths I could take I could take this path I could take this path And really all the paths Eventually lead to the great beyond Where you know some spiritual deity is But again the Bible teaches me Differently than that There's not multiple paths That 
somehow all end up in the same way. In fact, Matthew chapter 7 says this, Enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and there's many there be which go in thereat. But because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, few be there that find it. Beware of the false prophets. They come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. And it begins to tell me that not every path leads to heaven. Not every spiritual journey is going to lead you where you want to go. And, and so here's the thing. If you don't know where you're going, how do you know you're on the right path? My, and and I, I don't mean to, to, to poke fun of my wife. I don't, I'm not saying this to poke fun of my wife, but when we were in the days that we were evangelizing, the days before cell phones that talked to you and Siri that, that, that told you, you know, turn around, you're going the wrong way, we had to rely on Rand McNally's book of maps. Anybody ever did journeys like that? And, and so I remember one time we were traveling, in, and I think it was Oklahoma or so, and, and I had turned the driving over to her, and and maybe it was Texas, I was dr- turning the driving over to her. But to be honest, we, we had never driven these roads before. We didn't recognize the landmarks. We were just kind of going. And, and, and I went to sleep. I woke up three, four hours later, and we were a long way from where we needed to be. We, we, we hadn't, hadn't realized. Finally, I, we, we got someplace, I'm like, you know, this don't look right. But if we're not careful because we don't know where we're headed and we don't know what the, the, the road signs are and what that means, I'm glad they have signs on the road like 70 West. It's not enough just to be on 70. For some of y'all, and I won't point, I won't even look at any of you, but some of y'all, those West and East don't mean anything to you. But there's a reason they're there, so that as you're driving, you can make sure I'm still headed in the right direction. And I know that it's easy to, and and every generation does it, I know it's easy to poke fun at some of these really dated songs like the Royal Telephone or Jesus on the Main Line. I I get that. But the longer I live, the more I, I realize my forefathers pretty close to that truth in those old songs when they begin to sing say things like some glad morning we'll sh- we shall see Jesus in the air coming after you and me joy is ours to share or there's coming a day when no heartache shall come no more clouds in the sky no more tears to dim the eye or some glad morning when this life is over I'll fly away what what those songs did is they reminded us and they still remind us and I'm glad we sing them today they remind us that there is a journey we're on and there is a destination we're headed to Mark Twain in his life he had a he he had made a, a tour through Europe and it was a pretty amazing tour he was at the peak of his his popularity and and, and especially those in Europe, they, they were craving uh, uh, these stories that he could weave about America and small town Hannibal and things of that nature. And he was there, and of course through that tour through, through Europe, he was honored by universities, he was honored by kings. And the story is told that his daughter, his daughter said to him one day, said, Daddy, I guess soon enough you'll know everybody except God. 
I don't think she was trying to be spiritual. I think in her mind that was the one, you know, you're probably not going to shake hands with. But interesting. The truth is, it doesn't matter who you know. It really doesn't matter what you know. Ultimately, the only thing that will matter for eternity is did you know God? Did you know God? Sunday school teacher in Calvary Temple in Compton, California, asked her students one day this question, what do you think God looks like? Here were some of the answers. I think he's a human being with hair and feet and eyes like fire, and he shampoos his hair every day. <laughs> he's tall with gray hair, yellow skin, and sad eyes just like my puppies. He's tall, he looks like my daddy, and he wears a jumpsuit on the weekends, and he has a bald head. I think God has very nice eyes and he wears a pretty robe. One kid says he has white hair and his eyes are bloodshot. Don't know what Jesus has been doing, but... He looks like Billy Graham. I think he looks like Jesus, but I'll tell you a secret. I'm not sure because I've never seen him. He's an old man because of all the years he's been alive. One kid says, I think he looks like whatever you want him to look like. That's in some truth to how people view God in that one. Another one said this, and I think he's an old man with a long gray beard. He sits on the throne like a king, and he drinks all the Dr. Pepper he wants. Some of you are just hoping the marriage supper of the lamb includes Dr. Pepper. For the hair, is it to be, what is it, Diet Mountain Dew, I believe? You'll get that, you know. Make sure it has the Diet Mountain Dew. And it's easy, we can laugh, and I think it's fun, you know, you, you, you get that, what do the kids say, and you, you laugh at these various ideas, and maybe even pictures of what God is like, and so you then begin to ask ourselves, and we do a little bit of retro introspection, and we say, you know, what do we think God is, what do we think God looks like, what do we think God is going to be, and so the question remains, can you know God, so the first question is, are we on the journey and are we just enjoying the journey or are we interested in the destination that follows? And then the second is, can you know God? Because I've met a lot of people that argue we can't know God. And so because you can't know God, the journey becomes just a journey. How are you going to understand the limitless cosmic nature of a creator? So thus, if that's your view, you can't really know God, then you get back to that wandering spiritual journey of just experiencing little bits of God throughout your life. I've had, I've had many conversations about this. I've spoken to, to some who were far smarter than I if you want to measure it simply on an academic scale. But see, I'm one of those people that... that I don't care how smart you are, this becomes my truth. And so here's what my Bible says. I, I'd like to, to remind you that it is absolutely possible to know God. For Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. What did he say? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his I'm not just living my life with some cosmic deity above me that I can't touch and I can't move. I like the fact that the Bible says the God I serve is touched by the feelings of my infirmities. 
that he inclines his ear to me. And I, I know there's these things in the Bible like the mystery of God and the mystery of Christ, the mystery of faith, the mystery of godliness. I, I get that. But I want you to think about those mysteries the same way you think about the mysteries of gravity. I can't exactly explain to you exactly how gravity works. I know a little bit. I was in science class. I understand it has to do with the way the earth rotates. It has to do with the core of our earth and all of that. But to be honest, I do know if I throw something up, it's going to go up and it's going to come down. But I don't sit there and go, I can't know gravity because I can't explain it. I can see its work and so I, I, I may not explain it perfectly, but I can try. God that you and I serve is not a mystery that you have to search for a lifetime. In fact, I'm saddened as I peruse this world and walk through this world that I find so many searchers for God, but not enough finders of God. John said it this way. He said in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now watch what he begins to say in verse 3. And hereby we do know that we, that we know him if we keep his commandments. He hath said, I know him. And keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whosoever keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. And so hereby know we that are in, know that we are in him. John said, I can know him because I follow his commandments. Yeah, the journey's great, and I, I've enjoyed the journey. And, I've heard a lot of testimonies that's gone forth in this church. And I'm going to tell you, the journey of living for God has been incredible. That even as we sang earlier, Brother, Brother, Brother Justin, as you led us, even in the desert places, it's been better with Him than without Him. So I, I, I'll tell you today, I'm thankful for the journey. I'm thankful that He holds my hand. I, that old poem, The Footprints, you know, two sets of footprints and then there was only one set and the person said well that, that one set that was the worst day of my life what happened and he said well that's when I was carrying you for some of you your footprints is a set of footprints and then this long drag mark and that's where God drug you kicking and screaming that's how mine are but that journey I've enjoyed it this world's not my home I'm just passing through. It's the destination that honestly, the longer I live, I'm beginning to look to. As a kid, and I've, I've used this statement and given you many analogies and, and had fun with it, but as a kid, I worried about the destination. I think it was Sister Zoe there. We were, we were at a church just recently and she is in Sunday school and I think they talked a little bit about hell and you know what was going on and I remember as a kid man whenever the preacher would start preaching about hell or mark of the beast I'd get so scared knees would knock in the middle of church but you know now that doesn't bother me near as much and here's why 
not only do I know my destination, not only do I, I know my Savior, but don't ever let anybody tell you that you can't know if you're saved. Because I would posit to you today this fact. You should know beyond a shadow of a doubt if you're on the right path with the right God to the right destination. You, 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 don't wait, you, you should never wake up in the morning and ask, am I saved today? Am, am I, am I going to make it today? If you live your life in constant fear that if your destination comes right now, you don't know where you're going to end up, then you got to do something about that. Because the Bible says this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 4, knowing, my, or knowing, knowing this, my brethren beloved, knowing your election of God. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 10, very similar, it says this, Wherefore the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, and if you do these things, you shall never fall. You should be able to wake up in the morning and go, I'm saved, I'm saved, I know I'm saved. You ought to be able to wake up in the morning and, 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 and here's things, go back to those street signs, you ought to look around. I'm still heading in the right direction. It's a journey. Oh, absolutely. Every time I've read this Bible several times front to back, but every time I read it, I find something new. It's a journey. The Lord's constantly speaking to me. I'm learning. I'm growing. I know where I'm headed. And I know who I'm with. And I know I'm saved. Which is why when we sing those songs like, you know, the heaven songs, I can sing with a smile on my face because I know. Destination for you and I is a reality. And no matter what you believe or how you're choosing to travel that journey, heaven and hell are very real. So I ask you this question Are you ready for your destination? Another verse in the Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How do you taste and see that the Lord is good if you don't know Him? How would you know that's what you're consuming? How do you know that's what you're tasting? How do you know that's what you're looking at? It's because I know it. And so I want to invite you to stand today. And again, I, I, I know, my, I know my, uh, my audience. I don't believe there's any cold-hearted, broken sinners that are existing on that. We, we were laughing in the, in the office because I always try to give our incredible staff, you know, the direction of my sermon and, and you know, where we're headed. And I kind of made said I was going to sing that song, you know, for, from, from Cars, Life is a Highway. And they said, well, Pastor, depending on where you're headed, we could always end with, you know, ACDC, Highway to Hell. You know, and then, I mean, I get that. I don't think there's anybody here that you're staring at that abyss and you just know you're headlong running the wrong direction. I get that. I know who I'm talking to. But I want to encourage you that while you enjoy the journey of living for God, you don't get so comfortable in it. You forget the destination. 
that every morning you wake up, every night that you lay down, you ought to be able to say as you either open your eyes or close your eyes, depending on what perspective or, or what respective side of the bed you're getting up on. You ought to be able to say, Lord, I know you. And I know that I've been saved. And I, I, I'm watching the markers of my life as I travel and I realize I'm on the right path. That's why holiness and sanctification is so important. That, that's some of the things that, that tell us you're on the wrong path. Brother, Brother Lowe and some of our youth staff I've heard them say things like I'm glad that in our life God has some guardrails in the Bible that, you know, so you don't plunge off the end but you know before you get to those guardrails you hit those rumble strips my wife thinks I hit them on purpose but those rumble strips you're not going to be in trouble if you cross and hit the rumble strip they're just kind of to shake you to make sure you're still going the right way because if you hit the guardrail it might be too late so there are things in our life that there are signs, there are markers, there are things that would that, that we ought to be watching to say, am I, am I still going right? Am I still headed to heaven or have I, have I kind of been like the prodigal and I've taken the wrong turn? So I'm asking you today, are you on a journey or are you headed for a destination? And today I'm going to tell you that I'm headed for a destination. This world's not my home. In fact, I'm just a stranger in this country. I'm passing through. I, I'm going to enjoy while I'm here. But I am seeking, and I want to make it very plain, I am plainly seeking for a country, plainly seeking for a builder whose maker is God. I wonder if you could lift your hands for just a moment, and I wonder if you could just talk to him. I, I don't want you to leave here without confirming in your heart that the direction you're on and that the path that you're taking is right. I want to make sure your destination is right.